Blog Talk Radio. No blog talk radio today, I guess. No intro. Hi. <laughs> We're over here waiting for the intro from blog talk radio. I guess it's not coming out tonight, but that's all right. We don't need it to have a good show. Plenty to talk about again. As you all know, I'm Anthony Salome here with Alex Nicholas, the good? Rush Podcast. Uh, Alex coming back from uh, Austin where he got to see the miners get their asses handed to him. How was that? Yeah, it was great. I, I was Honestly, I can honestly say that was one of the best experiences I've ever had covering the game. Like, just like, you know, I've been to a Texas game before, and there's a lot of pageantry, there's a lot of things going on, but, like, being on the field, kind of just covering it throughout the week, like, it was you definitely talk a great... to KD or what? Nah, I probably would have gotten stiff arm to the grill, because they, they, were, they were literally stiff-arming people trying to go up to them. It was hilarious, man, but it was definitely one of the best experiences, I guess, from a professional journalism type of thing, you know, they could say. But, yeah, I mean, the outcome was definitely – and that first half, when Aaron Jones broke that run, I almost got kicked out the press box. I'm not going to say <laughs> that we ever had a chance to win, but if we did have a chance, we never really took advantage of it. But either yeah. way, um, we're going to have a lot to talk about today. Going to touch on that UT game. I don't know how much there is to talk about, but we'll go ahead and talk about that for a little while. Then we'll jump into the Army UTEP game this Saturday, kickoff at 5 p.m. Mountain Time. Is that correct? 505. 505. You know what? Actually, it was 506 last day, but whatever. They want you to get there early. It was tripping on. The reason why they say that, the New Mexico State game, midway through the second quarter, I looked down in the press box, and there's still a line at that south end zone. So get there early. Uh, that I really want to touch on that attendance before, you know, when we jump into our Army uh, talk, because I kind of kind of mouthed off a little bit on Twitter about uh, the TV covers that popped up on it. So I'm definitely, I kind of want to get Anthony's thoughts on that. But, yeah, you know, just kind of jumping right back into that Texas game. I mean, what is there to say? I mean, 41-7. This was a game that on that third down where Shane Bichel was forced an incompletion and Alvin Jones was called for that roughing the passer. That was the only shot in that entire game that I really felt UTEP had a chance because they started out early. You know, we had said it that at first they didn't look like they belonged on that field. I don't know if it was – I was watching Kavika Johnson before the game, and he looked shaky. He looked nervous before the game. I, You know, like I said, that was a great experience for me. That's a big stadium. That's a lot of people. There was a lot of hype. You got – you know, not only was, was uh, uh, you know, a guy like Kevin Durant there, but Cedric Benson – uh, you know, all these stars that, that I saw there were, you know, that that's that kind of get to you a little bit. It could kind of get, especially if you're a team like UTEP that's not used to that quote-unquote stage, it's going to get to you, and we saw it. We saw it early on. But the fact of the matter is, is that we knew what the game plan coming in it was. We knew that it was going to be protect the football, run the clock. As much as we wanted to see the pass game, be, you know, open up wide and this and that. It was a zone read base. It was run between the tackles. At first, I was kind of upset because they tried to bounce to the outside way too much, and Texas's defense is way too fast. I thought the best chance that we would have had is that adjustment they made in the second quarter was more downhill blocking, more two back using Darren LaFosta. But that was kind of my uh, thing that I really was kind of upset with is the fact that you know, we, we, I don't want to say we could pound on Texas up the middle, but that should have been really the game plan instead of setting up with perimeter runs. And the other thing I was frustrating is the fact that it's not the fact that we didn't sling the ball around, throw it 50 times, throw for 350 yards. We, we know that. We're not going to get that. But the fact that on a second and seven, a second and eight, manageable situations that we didn't have a bread and butter pass play in the back of the pocket to be like, look, we're not trying to score a touchdown. We're, not, we're just trying to get some yards, get a first down. That is, I think, was the most frustrating thing out of everything because we knew what the game plan was going to be. And, and, and if they wanted to open up the pass, you're going to throw in Ryan Metz there because Ryan Metz is your better passer. Now Ryan Metz has a higher percentage of throwing an interception because he's, he'll take chances. He's a playmaker. That's what he's going to do. It's not a knock on Ryan at all, just what is the nature of his game. But it's just frustrating to see that. I, you know, I, I like this style of football, first of all. I like the ground and pound. I like what, what Sean Cook is building. I've been on record saying that. But it's just frustrating that we can't get a competent play call or a competent type of execution on a second and manageable or even a third and 11, third and 12. You know, this is not the NFL where, where that play is almost you have to have the, the best play. It's college football where there's more space. I just that was another frustrating thing. It's kind of a broken record that we've been talking about when Utah goes up against power five opponents. I mean, I think we talked about it last week. We touched on 
you know, the, the, the game plan that they were going to come in with, you know, were they going to try to stay in this game? Were they going to try to, you know, open things up and get creative and, you know, sling the ball around a bit, not, not necessarily just throw down field all game, but, you know, just get more creative in the, in the play calling, or were they just going to go and, 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 you know, give it to Aaron Jones 15 or 20 times in the first half and then just wait till the clock, till the clock hit zero. And I think it was more of the latter. You know, I think that they, uh, they made the decision going in that this was basically a loss because if you didn't, then you would have tried to take advantage of, of some of these situations that you had. You mentioned the one that we gave away with Alvin Jones on that Huge sack where play. I think it was 14 or no, it was 13, it was, seven. It was 13, seven still. And they had the ball near seven. midfield. And, you know, that was a big one, but you know, aside from that, I think the biggest takeaway from this game, I, for the most part, we stayed healthy, and that's all you can really ask for, you know, in, in games like those. But I think the biggest takeaway from this game is that, and we've talked about it already, is that Kavika Johnson is not a quarterback. You know, you can call him that. You can line him up, you know, behind center. doesn't make him a true quarterback. And, and that's what we found out in that game. He just never looked comfortable in that pocket. He wasn't able to make throws. I mean, it, it just – granted, he, he didn't have a whole lot of help either. You know, there were times where he was under pressure and whatnot. But it, overall, he just didn't look like a, like a passer. He didn't look like a passing quarterback. So I think what we've established with him – now, I don't know if Coach Kugler and, and Peace are going to go forward and, and establish this within their program, but I think from the outside looking in, what's been established is that – He's more of your, you know, when you look at, you look down a roster and you see that position name, that position next to a name, I think that ATH belongs next to Kavika Johnson. Time. You know, that athlete, they're going to run him at quarterback, maybe at quarterback, you know, in, in different, in different, uh, in different sets, but it, more at, at wide receiver, at running back, you know, getting him in the slot or wherever it might be just to utilize his talent. But as far as him being a true quarterback and, and being able to, to, you know, sit back there for four quarters and, and move the ball down the field and be successful, I don't know that we'll ever see that with him. That's um, not a knock on him. He's a talented kid. He's just not necessarily made to be a, a pocket passer. And at this level, you know, I think that's what you need to be, even, even within this offense, you know. And that's why we've seen Ryan Metz succeed a bit. And that's why we saw him, not that he did anything special late in the game. He, he completed a few passes. But when you see the threat, it allows for you to be able to, to, you know, capitalize in both the run and the pass game. You know, if I, I was telling you to be a text since the first quarter, maybe the second, whatever, you know, get Ryan Metz in there because it opens things up. The defense had nothing to respect in the past. They were in base. They, they were, were in base, base. seven, eight man fronts all game long. And, and you just, you weren't going to succeed. If we were counting on Aaron Jones breaking one for 50 or 60 yards in order to stay in the game, it wasn't going to happen. We got lucky, to be honest with you. They took some poor angles on him in that, in that yeah. tackling. Granted, it's Aaron Jones, and he's going to get one. But, you know, they probably could have stopped it if it wasn't for some poor angles on him. They took those angles, and he, a guy like that's going to beat him, and we got one. But other than that, we had absolutely nothing going. You know, you take away that from Aaron Jones, and he rushed eight, 17 times for 55 yards or whatever it was, you know. I, I, that, the one thing that I take away from this game, again, is that I, I feel like Kavika Johnson is just not the guy that's going to get us there at quarterback. I think his talent can be utilized elsewhere. The good news uh, coming out of that week is that Zach Greenlee, is going to be available. Maybe not be healthy, but he's maybe back. Not, maybe not be healthy, but that's another guy that, you know, I wasn't necessarily sold on with durability and whatnot after week one, but, hey, we're going to have to go with him moving forward. You just hope he can stay healthy for 12 games. Um, but, yeah, I mean, as far as that Texas game goes, it really it really had – there was an opportunity for it to be a lot closer game. It's a closer game. I don't, I don't know that we ever had a real chance to win it. We could have scared them. We could have woken them. And up. I think they did scare them, though, for about a 15 minutes. I, I think that was. I think they did scare them, but you know, to scare them into the second half. You go. You go down that drive where we're talking about Alvin Jones getting that roughing the passer penalty. You know, and you come about up with five, a stop. six minutes left. You make there. them. You make them punt, and then all of a sudden you have a sustained drive down the field, and you you empty you empty the clock of the second quarter with a touchdown. You know, now you're going into the half with the lead. On, on the number 11 team in the nation. And, and that, for me, is still up for debate. I don't know that Texas, we talked about yeah, that was, coming yeah. in. You know, I don't know that they are that good. Notre Dame, what we were trying to gauge it on, struggled big time with Nevada in the first half. They ended up pulling away. But, uh, you know, I think 
what's tough is that there's a lot more questions than answers that were that we had after this game. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Like, no doubt. We were looking for them to do a, a few things that we didn't really see. And so now going into week three, it's it's really a toss-up, and it's kind of scary. Oh, that's scary. I mean, and, and just, I agree with everything you said on Kavika, and I think the game plan for him – maybe going forward, if they're going to keep him at quarterback, it's short passes. Get it. He just did not feel look comfortable when we talked about looking comfortable reading reading down the field. You know, his eyes were everywhere. He didn't, It seemed like he was too con, too conscientious of making a mistake rather than just going out there and balling. He's a baller. Yeah. I mean, people know that, and I think that was kind of the big thing on him. And then another thing offensively, before, I want to touch on a little bit of the defense, but offensively, the field possession was just horrible. You know, that and that – that can go hand in hand of why Kavika struggled, and I think that's about twenty to thirty percent of it. But I thought he did a good job of handling. There was no pre-snap penalties. There was no substitutions. I thought that was very crisp. But that field position did not help him Real at all. Real quick on and, that note, um, uh, what's his name? I'm sorry, Al- Luna. The loop. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, he's, he's slipping my Alan mind. Luna. Alan Luna. I was gonna say Alex, but Alan Luna. He didn't have a very good game. Horrible game. His first few punts were, I mean, terrible. And when you're giving Texas the ball on the 50-yard line, inside the, the fourth, 50, yeah. you know, even if you force them to punt, that's when you start back inside your yep. own 10. So that, that's, I mean. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and, that, and that really put the defense on the bind. And that's perfect transition to the defense because after that pump block, I'm thinking, here it goes. Here it goes the floodgates. Yeah. But God, or gosh damn, that defense. Boy, I mean, that, honestly – I, I, you know, Texas, you, if you would have asked me before the game, I figured Texas maybe you would tip 500 yards, 300 yards passing, 200 on the ground, you know, you know, long drives, big plays. Our defense was hitting cats out there. I mean, I went back and watched that Texas game, you know, when I got back from Austin on Monday or Tuesday, they were hitting. They really, that was the biggest takeaway. Now, maybe sound-wise, as far as being in, in assignments and those type of things, I thought that, you know, at times it looked disarray, just maybe because of Texas speed, but the physicality of that defense, particularly up front with just that three-man front going up against a, a patched-together Texas line, I think that's something that has to be said. Texas did not have their starters. With, without their starting running back. Without, without their star running back. But that's what you want to see. Yeah. You know, if, if we're going to be a competitive team in Conference USA, it doesn't matter if, if it's that – five-star first-string guy, you know, to, to see a guy like Nick Usher come out and have two stacks, to see Jason Van Hook show off his speed, to see Dante uh, LaViolet really come up and make a big play earlier, those are guys that you're going to be counting on in Conference USA play. And like I said, that's, it is something that you have to note that Texas was a little bit beat up on the offensive line. And, I mean, Chris Warren's still a stud at running back, and he still had his yards. But, I mean, that was very encouraging to see the physicality for one. That was huge because I didn't know how – that, I've been voting about it, hyping about it all week that I just was not sure how UTEP was going to tackle. They did a tremendous job. Mm-hmm. On the outside, Kalon Beverly, you know, he got, he got burned one time, but Kalon and Nick Needham did a great job of, of, of leverage and tackling. That was a big, big improvement. I think that's something they can definitely hang their hat on for. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that that field position from the offense, I thought, really put the defense in a bind. But they held up. And, like I said, that, first, that drive – we're after Luna's pump block, and they take over inside the five-yard line. I mean, to see a UTEP defense – I mean, in the past, that's, that's, that's six. That's six in one play. But to see them stand that way like some men – Alvin Jones could have had 50 tackles in that game, bro. That first half, Alvin Jones was going off. And I know it's kind of hard to, to, to put Alvin Jones as an NFL prospect because of his size, but that tenacity, oh, my God, bro. I mean, that's some shit that you just can't coach, and that was really, really impressive. But the fact of the matter is, is that there's the defense still, there's still a lot of questions. There's still a lot of questions on the defense, but like I said, it's good to see a couple of guys that you figure that we're going to rely upon this week, next week against Southern Miss, you know, that is, is definitely encouraging. And the fact that, you know, they only beat us deep once or twice, you know, you look, you look at, at what they, they were getting met. Basically Texas had to earn everything they got defensive uh, offensively. And I thought that was a big step for UTEP Definitely. because even a couple of the wheel routes when they put uh swoops in, the, yeah. the big the, the big running back. I mean, they stuffed him a few times in short yarded situations, hitting it. I mean, it, and that was something that we talked about last week too. You know, that was my key to the game, if you will, was physicality and hitting these guys, you know, because again, when you go onto a field like that in an environment like that where there's whatever, I don't know how many people fit, 90, 100, yeah. whatever it is. You know, you have almost 100,000 people watching you right there. You know, it, it can be intimidating. 
And like you mentioned with Kavika, you know, it can be intimidating. You have celebrities on the sideline. That can be intimidating. But the main thing is that, that Texas team, whether they're more talented or not, they're used to being on that yeah. stage. Ain't nothing you know, it's not, that's, that's normal. That's the regular – and even when they go to away games for the most part in the Big 12 or, or you play bigger schools, that's what They've you They've been dealing with that week. since the recruiting business. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so, so that's nothing new to them. But for a team like UTEP, you go in there and that can, that, that can, you can kind of be starstruck a little bit. You know, the lights and the fans and, and the celebrity. There's and no Jordan Palmer watching. <laughs> and so, so definitely, you know, that's, that's, that's a tough thing to do. And for the minors, you know, I think, and I mentioned it last week, I think when you go up against a team like Texas, that other team almost feels like you don't belong on that field with them. They're, uh, they're, the commentators they're, didn't. And, and the commentators, <laughs> if you watch the game, they, the were, just, they were pulling their pants they, down they, and just they, I mean, they weren't holding anything back. Nope. They were just basically saying, this is a, look, they don't belong on the field with Rich them. Rich Williams more was. I, I was, I was kind of shocked at that. I mean, obviously it's Longhorn Network. Yeah, you know, they were, normally Williams. when you have commentators, you know, you try to be a bit impartial, you know. But anyway, um, this is yeah. what we're going to do with this Texas game. Yeah. Man. I'm just saying, it. I, was trying to get to, <laughs> I was trying to get around to the point. With all that, you know, you have to hit them in the mouth and show them that you belong on that field. And I think the defense did that. I think the defense did that. Real quick, before we move on, um, the most impressive thing to me, you know, you open up the game three and out. And then the three and outs were really what killed this this the, the killed defense the drive the was, past three years. Yeah, it definitely because you know you keep putting your defense out there, asking them to get stops. That first Texas drive, we got lucky. I, I don't remember yeah. who caused the fumble. Uh, Violet. But it didn't really seem like he was necessarily trying to punch. He the was ball trying out. to wrap, and he yeah, just and he just happened had, to yeah. hit it right on. The, you know, and it was perfect timing. Went out of bounds, whatnot. So fine. But you know, following that drive, they get a touchdown. But then they force a couple punts and they give up a couple field goals. And you're talking about a defense has given up only 13 points and they've continuously been put out on that field to, to come up with stops. And they've given up 13 points. It's a 13-7 game with two minutes left in the first half. If you would have told me that going in, I wouldn't have believed you. I wouldn't have believed it, but I couldn't have asked for more. Nope. You know, I, I'm extremely impressed with the way they played, with the physicality, with the speed, with their tackling, just fundamental tackling. And, and those forced punts came in situations where, as a UTEP fan, as you're watching the defense, you can hear it comes. Here comes that big play. But it didn't happen. And that's, I think that 3-4 defense is just protecting that long ball. It's keeping everything in front. And you're seeing that sound physicality. What I didn't notice that. is that it did seem like, like you're talking about keeping everything in front. It, it, what you end up doing, you protect against a long ball, but you give up. Yeah. Four, five, six Bamba yards, and, and and so you find yourself in a lot of second and short, third and short situations where you have to come up yeah. with a tackle on a one yard to gain situation. Anyway, I like what I saw from the defense. We're going to need a lot more of that effort if we're going to be able to Not stay in this more. game that's coming up, which may very well turn out to be another, you know, if anything, neutral Neutral field game, if not away game, with them. I mean, obviously the presence that's of Fort a, Bliss. That's a big deal. I mean, I, I'm real curious to see how it is. I don't know if there's, I don't know the technical rules about blocking TV games, but I took an exception that's to some bullshit. To, to, uh, and I KBBC. saw Lou Romano try to justify it, man. That was some bullshit. You know, the, the thing, I, the thing that pisses me off about him trying to justify it is, look. Don't try to come out here and say you're doing a, dis- a service to the community. Motherfucker, you're out there making money. And, I, and I'm not going to hate on, on no, Lou no, Romano no. for making money. But don't come out there and I'll try to sugarcoat wrong. I'll tell you what them. they did wrong. It's not that they're televising the game. It's that they announced it on, like, Monday. Uh, yeah. And so when you do that, you just took away thousands in ticket sales. Thousands in ticket sales. Now we're, already people, going on, we're already going unsold. Exactly. Capitalists busted people, out. People were planning on going to the game. You know, you, you have – a lot of people now, especially in this city, we've seen we're it over and over. People. They're they're not gonna go if they don't have to go. They can watch it on TV. They'll stay at home. And and it's just you know again, it's not the it's not the it's not a wrong thing that they are televising the game. I wish they would have waited till today or tomorrow to go. You know, last minute. Hey, only a few thousand tickets left. We're gonna go ahead and televise this game. If it is sold out, you got somewhere to watch it. Instead, they announced it Monday, and you probably just short sold five thousand tickets, seven minimum tickets. at the minimum. So at that. I, I think that's terrible on CBS. Um, but you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. Like I said, just don't sugarcoat shit, Romano. Sucks, You're you trying know, to make money. Anything, exactly. They're trying to take advantage of the situation because we're in El Paso with Fort, Fort Bliss. Yeah. There's such a huge army presence. And KDBC don't get shit for, for why didn't they televise anyway. the NMSU game? Why aren't they yep. televising the uh, what is it Southern Miss 
Why don't they tell a road game at, at Rice that, yeah. tells, that doesn't have TBR or FAU? That yeah, it's, it, not, it's definitely money for them. Can't blame them. Can't hate, but, but you know what? Hey, don't come out here and try to sugarcoat. You can't blame them, but we will. <laughs> Moving on, we're going to be talking to Sal Interdonato, uh, who covers Army sports for the Times Herald Record. He's the beat writer out there. Um, we'll have a lot to hear about what he has to say in just a few minutes, but let's get let's jump into it, man, because I know that we we mentioned it before. We talked about this a while back. We knew coming into this game that it was going to be a tough win. I'm not saying we're going to win. I'm not saying, you know, we're going to lose. I already said we're going to lose. It's going to be a very tough game to win. physical game. Just the simple fact of of the style of offense that they run has always given us fits whenever we've seen these types of offense. Going back to the rice. The rice game, exactly. You know, it's always given us fits. Now, granted, this is a brand-new defense. We've seen what they did in the last couple weeks. They've looked pretty solid at times. But it's going to be a struggle to try and contain this offense. The one thing we talked about was how sound, you know, going cliche like you talked about, how sound of a football team Army has been through these first two games. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing. That's I mean, that's so cliche. You hear so many announcers say how sound, but they are just so sound. Their run fits, their blitzes, their blocking, the quarterback reads, and that's something that that's, that's just – you expect out of a service academy, but to the level that they were doing it against a team like Temple, I thought was just going to roll over them defensively or offensively. You know, that's a big thing. And, and you know, another thing to consider is, we, is we're going to transition here to bring Sal up on the air. You know, they're going to be emotionally charged with the loss of Brian and Jackson, you yeah. know, and, then, and, you know, before we jump in deeper in our time, obviously condolences to the whole Army family. Definitely. You know, we've had some interactions with them, but that's definitely going to be something to watch and, you know, something that I, I want to definitely hear Sal's opinion on. You know, as he's been around the team so far this week. Right well. now, live on the Rush Podcast, is Sal Interdonato. Again, the uh, beat writer out there for the Time Herald Record covering Army sports. Sal, how are you doing tonight? I'm great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Sal, you there? You hear us? Yes, I hear you guys. Thanks for having me on. Looks like we may be having some issues. Sal, if you can hear us, give us a call back. We'll get you on. Um, but, yeah, no doubt about it. This is going to be a team that's going to be – I, I can't even imagine what they're going through with that loss. You know, I saw that come out on Monday, I believe it was, on ESPN. I saw the article, and, you know, that's that's something that, that really – it takes a toll, you know, to lose anybody. But when you're, when you're a football team, you're a family. You know, you guys do everything together. You know, you eat together, you sleep together, you go to school together, everything. So, I mean, you, you, you're losing a brother. And so they're definitely going to be emotionally charged. That's going to be something that – that, you know, is going to be weighing on their hearts as they play that football game. And you know that they're going to be coming with some extra intensity to try to win that game for their lost brother. And let's bring on Sal one more time. Sal, you there this time? Yes, sir. How are you doing, guys? I don't know if that's on our end or your end, Sal. We can't hear you, man. The first time we ever had – it's not it's not a rush podcast though without some kind of issue. Usually, are the guests and the calls are yeah, always on been, point. That's weird. Sal, are you there? Sal going one. Oh, I don't know what is going maybe on. Maybe we can't. Maybe we can't hear him, even though we can hear ourselves. That's true. If uh, y'all listen to us on on the podcast and uh, you can hear Sal, give us a message on Twitter right here on the chat room. Let us know that you can't hear him. I guess we can uh, try a conversation with them as best we can we'll have him answer ask questions or answer questions without us talking but all right let's jump into it a little bit um army comes in off a pair of victories big victories one on the road at temple 28 13 last week they took care of rice 31 14 you know we talked about their offense this is a deep this is a defense that has also given up what is it? Three touchdowns so far in the season? Nothing in the fourth quarter. They've shut out their first two for, uh, qu- opponents in the fourth quarter, and that's that says a lot when you look at what is offense, the type of offense Temple runs, and then you know even going back to Rice. You know even though Rice is definitely struggling, you know Rice got a big play first play on of, of first uh, the first drive of the game. Yeah, they busted out a big play on them, and I thought that was going to be kind of a theme we would see with Army. But, I mean, we talked about how sound they are, and we're still trying to get Sal. Let's try to get Sal on the line one more time. Sal, you there? I'm here, guys. How are you? Well, he said he can hear us. He can hear us? He can hear us. I just I just don't know if the listeners can hear him. That's the biggest issue. <laughs> we're going to do an interview. We can't hear 
And Sal, you know what, man? We really do appreciate your time. I think we're going to have to uh, just X this, this part of the segment out. Uh, wish we could give you a talk. Damn, to you. Man, I really we will have some more content him. up, though, right? Cut Q&A. And yeah, whatnot. we got some Q&A. Um, I really wanted to hear from Sal, man. I really was looking forward to that, man. It, it's like I said, it's not a rush podcast if we don't have technical issues. And I, it's crazy to me that, you know, how long have we been doing this now? A couple oh, years? Three, three years now. So it's just crazy to me that we've probably had in that three-year span, let's say we've done, let's just say we've done 50 podcasts. I don't know how many it's been. Probably you know, I think it was six. Well, we've done 63 hours according so, to okay, the podcast. So, so let's say we've done 50, all right? Of those 50, we've probably had one or two that have actually gone down without a single hiccup. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah. we're back to it. But all right, let's talk a little bit more about, about Army. You know, the, the biggest thing – that stood out to me was their defensive numbers. I mean, you look at, at, you know, last year they were just, you know, flat out probably one of the worst defenses in the nation, uh, talking about, you know, allowing chunk plays. But now they're experienced. And the big thing that stood out to me was their ability to just shut you down on third down. Their first two games combined, four of 19 that they forced teams to go through, you know, first teams to punt on a third down. That is key. And that's something that if you read my writings on minor risk, you know, that's a big thing that I always touch on is third downs, especially with the type of offense UTEP runs. And and now we're starting to see the defense, like you mentioned, that defense is that kind of that bend and don't break, but it's that blanket where everything's going to be in front. And you know, as an offense, you're going to be in those second to third down situations. And that's going to be key when UTEP is on offense, can they just not, you know, the key in this one is not letting Army play behind the line of scrimmage on the early downs and getting into those second and 12, third and 12, something that we see now we talk about every week, but they're just so sound where it's really hard. I think any type of balance is going to be tough. You know, we always talk about balance, opening things up, but Army is so sound mentally and they do have some athletes, but I think execution is going to be the biggest thing that the UTEP offense is going to have to have more than balance, more than throwing the ball, execution of, of not allowing guys to play in that back, the execution of when there's a play to be made in the passing game, you got to execute that. The throw has to be made. The route has to be run. The catch has to be made. I think that you have to match Army's sound play with your own type of fundamental offense. And I think that's going to be a key. And that's something that I've seen here and there from a Brent Peace offense during camp. And you saw it against New Mexico State, but like, this is going to be tested to that ultimate level. You know, and the key thing to look at, too, I mean, that, the Brandon Jackson kid was an impact player at corner. You know, this wasn't a third string, fourth string guy, walk on guy. This was a legitimate type of player that he could probably be considered for all conference, you know, this year. Even if he was a sophomore, he had a productive freshman year. So Army's going to be struggling a little bit, or shuffling, I want to say struggling, but shuffling to kind of cover. And UTEP probably has maybe one or two more have to account for weapons than maybe a Rice does as I watch Rice the first couple of games. So I just think that the fundamentals is going to be so, so huge you know, for this team to be able to just grab first downs because Army is so sound. You know, those linebackers in there, the two linebackers I've been writing about, Jeremy Timp and Andrew King, those guys are just headhunters. We've talked about, you know, the reckless type of linebackers like a Jimmy Musgrove that we've seen. Those are those – you have two of those guys, almost like Smash Brothers type of guys, and that is going to be tough. And and like I said, the key in this one offensively, we always talk about balance. We always talk about some type of creativity. I think in this game you got to throw that out the window and execute what you want to do. Obviously, balance is something that I think we're going to see way more with Zach Greenlee in there because you could do it against New Mexico State. We've seen that, and I think that's the offense you're going to see week in and week out against Conference USA opponents going forward. But that execution has to be at a very, very high percentage. Like I said, just to grab a first down, I think this game's played in the 20s. I don't see this game turning into a shootout. I mean, it has that potential. Army's offense isn't really that explosive. UTEP has one explosive player. I think it's really going to be one which defense can continually force the other team to make mistakes in this game. And that's the UTEP offense cannot allow themselves because I think they have, we know that they have the weapons to be able to kind of break down a sound defense with just pure athleticism. And I think a big thing is, you know, something that I was looking up here, uh, Army's a team that already has five takeaways in, in two games. And UTEP, if I'm not mistaken, has one. It's just that, that fumble yeah. that went into the end zone. And they gave it up, what, three or four times so you know, far? So we're at a negative margin right now. Army's a team that, that takes care of the football and, and, you know, has already gotten five takeaways. But more than that, you know, so first of all, you know, being able to take care of the football is going to be big, but not just with not giving it away, but also with time of possession. This is going to be a battle of wills here because yeah. – 
Army is a team much like the Miners. Slow, methodical. Exactly. Slow, methodical, work your way down the field, get your points after a seven-minute no drive. Play, play clock, or the snap, ball don't get snapped until inside 10 seconds. Exactly. The and they come in while while UCF sits, I think, like 13, 13 in time of possession. Army comes in at number four, averaging 38 minutes a game with the football. So that's going to be something to look out for because, you know, whoever's on this field longer likely is going to be the one that comes away with the win. You know, if, if, if somebody's struggling offensively and they're not able to, to have those methodical drives, you know, your scores likely are not coming from big plays. Your three and outs are going to kill you. Exactly. Murder you in this game. The, the, you know, a team like Army will wear our defense down. If we see something like we saw against Texas where our offense, you know, goes three and out, three, four, five possessions in a row, you know, this Army offense will wear us out with 10, 11, 12 play drives. And, and the defense won't have any gas left in the tank for the third, fourth quarter. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, I wish we had Sal on to talk more about this because, honestly, I just don't know enough about Army. I haven't get, been able to watch them as much as you all. I know you've watched, I know you've watched every, uh, every minute of action. Yeah, but, you know, I, I think the biggest thing for me, and, and you know, I, I wrote the game preview today and looking at the keys of the game, UTEP just cannot afford a slow start. You mentioned about – those three and outs to start the game. What was it? Three, UTEP's fourth possession, they finally got a first down. That can't happen, you know, because Army's a team that, you know, you do that, you get the ball first, you go three and out. Six, five, five to six minutes later, Army gets the ball, they score. You get the ball back three and out. Five, another five, six minutes later, all of a sudden you're down 14 to nothing. Time of possession is almost three to one, two to one. And now, now you're forced to play from behind. And that's what you want to make Army do. You know, this is a team, like I said, is not very explosive offensively. They don't have much speed. The guy that really stands out in terms of their efficiency is the fullback, Andy Davidson. I mean, this guy is just, you know, you look at fullbacks and everybody that, you know, in our age group wants to compare fullbacks to Mike Allstott. This guy is farthest from Mike Allstott, but I'll tell you what, I would have him on my team, you know, any day running the football. And Mike Allstott is a great blocker, but this guy just does a great job on that dive. And that's a key to stopping this triple option is that dive. What he does well is he just falls forward. You know, like I said, very many explosive players these guys are physical they're downhill they protect the football and this is a guy that needs to really be blown up first and force a guy like Ahmad Bradshaw the quarterback who again is not a burner this is a guy that doesn't have elite speed but he's so shifty he has great balance and he's so good with his reads especially on third down that's what I was noticing when I watched him against Temple when I watched him against Rice of third down the light turns on with him he knows he knows which corner to turn. He knows which gap to hit, and he knows how to maneuver. And that's that's impressive in a triple option because that's what you need. You don't need a big time running back. Of course, it's great to always have whenever you know they recruit for that. But this offense is based off just giving yourself that. Like I mentioned in the pre write up, their offense creates three. 0.57 yards per snap in the runs this year. That's huge. That's giving you basically a, what I feel in a triple option, that gives you a five-yard radius from the line of scrimmage if your line's creating that because you got so many moving parts defensively mm-hmm. where that pitch can open up, where that dive can open up if something is out of place. And to me, when you, when you look at yards created, 3.5 yards, I feel that's more of a five-yard because of the way that they play. Like I said, it's it, now if, if they're a faster team, I'm thinking maybe that's a seven-nine-yard but just how sound that they are with their runners. And, the, you know, that's going to be a big key. Also, when they go to the pass, they throw deep. The, every throw, I've watched 11 pass attempts from Army, and they're all vertical shots at one guy, too. Edgar, Edgar Allen Poe, I think is his middle name is Allen. That's pretty crazy, right? <laughs> but that's going to be a key. You can't get caught slipping. You know, you cannot get caught slipping against this team. You know, that, that's, that's kind of another cliche type of thing when you talk about any type of offense. But with this offense, with the way that they execute that and the way that, like I said, they're not trying to – they're going to they're gonna run for 300 yards, but they're not trying to bust a big play every time. They're just trying to grab first downs, wear you out, and run the clock. And with these three – also the other guy that I wrote about was uh, – I'll try to pull up his name here. Is their slot back. Uh, let me see if I can pull that up real quick. I don't have it. You know, looking here. at the rushing stats, they're averaging five yards a carry, and you talk about that radius that they have with the triple option. Davidson the, the space that the yards. offensive line is creating. Uh, yeah, Davidson is averaging over five yards a carry. But um, you know, what's toughest about defending the triple option is reaction time, in my opinion. Yeah. Because like you were talking about the moving pieces, you know, with the dive or the sweep or the draw, or, it, there's so many different options coming through. And then the pass that you still have to defend, you know, it, as, a, as a linebacker, 
you know, you're sitting there trying to read or the defensive end or wherever you're playing, you know, you're trying to read certain keys. And so you, you have to wait for those things to develop. You have to wait for that play to happen. So, you know, you can't just bite on the dive because then that pitch is coming out of you're crashing the line, crashing down the line. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it, it's, it's, it's all about reaction time. Your middle linebackers and have to be sound too, right behind that nose guard. Exactly. And that's where that spacing comes into play where you've got a few yards to work with before the defense even realizes where the, the play What's is going on, you know? And so it was averaging five yards of carry. I mean, you think about it, you're doing that two downs, you got another first down and you keep going. That's what makes it so tough to stop this, this, this offense. Um, I think you got to sell out. Yeah. I think I think you really got to sell out with but this smartly, team. but you got to you got to be sound with that. Yeah, you know, I mean, and that's gonna be. I think the job. I, I talked to a couple of coaches. Shout out to Coach Tony Grahavo, Franklin coach. I had a chance to, to kind of have them, you know, break me down into layman's terms. You know, I know a little bit of coaches speak from my playing days, but you know, this triple option is so difficult. You know, and and it's you know the big key is Geno Breslin in the middle. That that nose guard. He's gonna be tasked with, you know. First of all, you know, what coaches tell me was where he's going to line up. Is he going to line up on the gap on the right, which is normally your your B gap, or is he going to line up on the A gap on the left side of that center? That's going to be a key for him, first off, you know, just lining up, just kind of getting, you know, that figure. And then not only that, but you got to be able to – he's got to be able to create some type of push to blow up that fullback dive, to take that away, to not allow that, because Davidson is averaging five yards per carry – on that fullback dive. Now, I, I would obviously have to go back and watch film, but I don't remember Davidson not running, not getting a carry. And he has, you know, he's got what, four or five carries. And I want to say all of those are off the dive. So if Geno Breslin, and now without Alvin Jones in the middle, you're going to move Silas firstly to the middle to play inside w- w- with Dante LaViolette. Those two guys have to be sound behind him because if Breslin gets, gets blown up himself, well, like I said, there's a five-yard radius there where those linebackers got to converge. And not only that, but the outside linebackers, they have to keep outside contained because if Bradshaw does a great does a great fake and those two come in there and buy and that outside linebacker's off, you know, this kid Bradshaw's coming off that tackle's ass on the C-gap and there's a six-yard, seven-yard gain. So there's so many parts that, it, you know, you, you, you want to sell out, but these guys have to sell out so smart. And these safeties also, too, you, what I feel comfortable with is Devin Cockrell, though. I feel real comfortable with Devin Cockrell coming up on the – coming up, running the heel line, stopping the run. I feel confident about that. But Geno Breslin, those middle linebackers, Nick Usher I feel confident with, but a guy like Jason Van Hook, a new freshman that's in there, you know, he's played very well the past couple of games, but this is the ultimate level of, of your football knowledge in a sense when you play this, and that's going to be huge. And I'm definitely worried about that front seven handling. Like I said, I like what Devin Cockrell brings. He's a physical guy. He can tackle. Deshaun Smith the same way. We've seen how good UTEP's corners are off the corner blitz. You know, Kalon Beverly and Nick Needham can close on you like that. They have a good job of timing the snap, and they have a great closing speed, and they take proper angles on, on that blitz. It's straight up that heel line. There's no weaving around it. It's, it's a straight line, and I think that's I'm, – I'm confident in that. But that front seven really worries me, you know, not so much about selling out, but, like, but selling out in the right spot to not get burned on that backside or get burned – or get to have somebody try to cover for you, you know, with your aggression, basically. Yeah, and, and no doubt about it. But, I, again, I, and I think – what one of the main things that we're going to have to do, and I think it's fairly obvious, is just run man. Yeah, ninety-nine percent of the time. You won't. You buy, I, I, I doubt you'll you see blitzes. Even, I doubt. You know, so so that that's that's going to be key. But you know, biggest thing I guess is assignments. Yeah. You know, just you, you This is a game where you you can't you can't try to do too much. You know, as as a as a lineman as a linebacker, you know, you can't try to over overplay over pursue. You got to just you know, stick to your reads, take care of your assignment, and hope that, you know, if you're not there to make that play, as long as you're taking care of your assignment, the next guy behind you is going to be able to make his play. You know, so I, I, this, this offense scares me so much, man. Time. This offense scares me so much. What I was trying to figure out as I was looking here, um, do they have that big, that, that home run running back? The only guy um, that, that they I look see. like big guys, 220, yeah. 230 pounds. I mean, I don't. The I don't only guy that I've seen is Jordan Asbury. That's really the only speed only guy. Who's gotten 12 carries and, so and, far? And his average is a 6.75, and they're they're long on the season. It's only 32 yards as a team, you know. And that right there should tell you, like I said, they're they're not looking for that big play. And 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 that's, you know what? Honestly, I would rather allow that. 
if, if the defense is going to struggle, I would allow that big play to give the ball back to, the, to UTEP right. offense and let Aaron Jones kind of do his thing. What scares me is these long, sustained drives that kill clock because that tells me that UTEP's struggling on offense. Yeah. You know, just looking at it from, you know, right now on a Thursday, you know, if they're able to sustain six, seven, eight yards, 12 plays, 60 yards, 12 plays, 70 yards, 13 plays, that's telling me that UTEP's offense struggling because, you know, the thing that frustrates me so much, and we talked about this in the opening about, you know, UTEP's, you know, identity of running the football is, you know, it's hard to run over a team like Texas. Now, albeit UTEP's offensive line is probably the most talented and biggest that it's ever been. But against Army, you should be able to, to be able to bang against them. You should be able – that offense, UTEP offensive line should be able to create some yards, give Aaron Jones some space, give Kajas Wiley some space. And you, you figure that you, you should be able to do that. But, you know, you talk about that defense, and, and that's what's scary is those long, sustained drives that they're able to have. Not only does it keep the defense on the field, but like I said, that just, that's going to tell me that UTEP's struggling on offense. And so you look at a guy like Jordan Asbury, who's really the only – in my opinion, besides Edgar Allen Poe in the passing game, those are two big play threats, you know. So, in a sense, you kind of bottle those guys up and just – and really force them. The key, I think, for this game is getting some type of pressure on first and second downs and, and, and forcing them – Third and long. Forcing them in that third, third and long. medium, at least. Yeah. You know, that's, that's where they've struggled because, like I said, like you mentioned, you're averaging five yards a game. You're more than likely getting, you know, first downs on your first two plays. Yeah. So – the yard per carry average on first and second down should be two yards or below. And that's, that's really hard to do. I get that. That's asking for a lot. But if you want to have any type of sustained drives yourself and be able to impose your will yourself, that's got to be a key on your first and second down. And that's going to be tough. That's not going to be easy. But UTEP does have that speed defensively, just being sound. Yeah. Being sound. It, it's going to be really tough to stop this team if you're consistently giving them third and one, third and two. You know, you've got to be able to put them in at least, at least into third and medium. You know, it's going to be hard to keep them in third and long, I would yeah. say, unless you get a penalty, a hold, or something like that. But they won't, they're not being themselves, I'll tell you that. Exactly. So, so it, it, you know, you're not going to really count on that or rely on that, but, you know, you've got to, you've got to keep them in third and five or, or, or longer because you get down there one or two yards, you talk about the distance that, that is created by this offensive line and by the system itself, it's going to be almost impossible to stop them you know, on short yardage situations. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I like your keys here. Stop the run on third down. Start fast. Keep Greenlee standing. That's something that, you know, we saw against New Mexico State. He, yeah. didn't, have, he didn't see too much pressure, but when he did, he seemed to take some pretty good hits, and obviously it, it had its effect. It took its toll. He missed last Army already has six sacks on the year. You know, this is a team, like I said, that's they're, they're that slant 3-4, that pressure defense, and I have, I have to believe – you know, that they know that Zach Greenlee isn't 100%, and they're going to bring the house on certain downs, especially on passing downs. Uh, blow up that fullback. That's the one key that I'm <laughs> not sure. I, I don't know. You know, we've seen the big hits that these guys laid last week. Yeah. You know, but can you sustain that 40-plus times? Yeah, exactly. That, it's going to be tough, but I look for Alvin Jones to come up big, and that's your – oh, actually, sorry, it's not your first. I, I, I read that wrong. It's Aaron Jones, of course, five yeah. to watch. <laughs> you know, he, I think we, we might have to take one. Aaron out of that because yeah, we already know. That's a given, bro. That's a given. You know, I'll start mine with, uh, with Alvin Jones, man, because that's a guy that we've seen. He's healthy, he, man. He's a ball hawk. The guy loves to be on, in on the action. The guy loves to hit. And, and like you're talking about, that last key, blow up the fullback. You know, you talk about uh, – um, sorry, not Ahmad Bradshaw – uh, Davidson, right? That's a, Andy Davidson. Andy Davidson. Um, these these celebrity names throw me off. Huh? Oh, you right got on. Chris Carter. You got Amar Bradshaw. <laughs> Andrew Allen Poe. All names. <laughs> but no, I mean it's going to be tough. But I expect uh, Alvin Jones to, assuming he's healthy, to be right there. You know, he would be the guy that's going to have to fill that hole, blow up that that run, and hopefully we'll see if they're able to stop it. Um, Andrew King, Army linebacker, is another one that, that Alex has to keep an eye on. Ahmad Bradshaw, we did talk about the quarterback. Nick Usher, linebacker, and Geno Breslin are no um, Nick Usher had him. I thought that was one of his better games in his career, and that's that's just something I think he can build on. Is, is Alvin, I'm over here talking out of my ass. Is Alvin Jones officially out? It's it, it seems like it, like hearing Cougar talk about it on the radio show, and I've been listening to some of the interviews from practice. It's like a game time, last minute decision. I, I honestly, I, I would I would put it forty fifty percent. I have a out. hard time believing this guy's gonna want to sit out this game. Yeah, man. that that's and and that's something that Cougar exactly talked about. That it's hard to keep him off the field. But you know, I think if he does play, there may be a pitch count. You know what I mean? Maybe. Yeah, but I, honestly, if the kid isn't ready. 
you know, physically to, to perform at that high level or if there's a small risk, you got you got eight conference games That's coming true. up, man. You got eight yeah. conference games. Plus, you're going to have a game against this is Houston a tough Baptist one, later. You know, this is a tough one. This, this is a big game. Let's get into that. This. Let's get you into know, that for sure. We, we talked about this coming into the year and in, in how the schedule set up. And we know that basically after the Louisiana Tech game, I mean – it's manageable. It's very manageable, you know, versus FIU at UTSA, versus Old Dominion, versus Houston Baptist, at FAU, at Rice, at UNT. No bullshit. You could potentially sweep that. I mean, it's going to be far-fetched for but the really do it. But it starts this week. But I'm saying you could you could potentially win every single one of those but games. Starts, those so, are all winnable games. I agree. I but totally agree. The, you know, coming back, we're one and one. The problem is you could potentially lose these next three games. In a bad and, way. And, and all of a sudden, you're one and four, and you need to go six out of – or whatever it is, seven out of eight or six out of seven to, you know, potentially get yourself back into the conversation. I mean, it, it's going to be tough. And so this game right here, to me, is going to be telling. Is this, Has this team – has this program Thank under you. Sean Kugler turned the corner? Because I guess, you know, we knew going into the Texas game, we were going to chalk it up as a loss. You know, we weren't expecting the corner turning to be going on the road. We just want to see what we saw in the first 10 minutes or first 45 minutes. We were expecting the the, the turning of the corner to be, can you win those those big games that are kind of evenly matched, you know, where it's going to be a slugfest, where your team's going to have to make plays to win the game, but you're right there even, you know, talent-wise. Because that's what it's going to be a lot of the rest of the season. You got Southern Miss coming up next week, who looks really good. They're like a number one A or one A B team in the conference. But right you know, if you can come and, and stop a team like Army with the way our secondary has played so far and the way our front seven is playing, you know, you could stay in the game with a team like like Southern Miss. Yep. We saw them get shut down against Kentucky and get demolished in the first half. Now, granted, they came out yeah. in the second <laughs> half and scored thirty five straight. They still haven't stopped scoring. <laughs> <laughs> Going back. This is just a big game for me to see if, if we are at where we think we are. You know, we, we, we see some things. We saw the win against New Mexico State, but we had questions. We saw, you know, some bright spots against Texas, but not much more, and we still have some questions. So this is the answer game. If the questions are going to be answered, and if they're going to be answered in the way we would hope they are, this is the time. Right now, you got a game tough. I mean, going back to, to losing Brandon Jackson, man, I mean, these guys have a leg up already Big coming time. in, you know. I, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't have said it better. I mean, this is this is what I, I was thinking about the show yesterday. I was like, this is how we should lead into the Army talk because it is. I mean, this is this is that question game, the question sequence, yeah. you know, because like you said, Southern Miss coming in next week, they look like a juggernaut. Louisiana Tech looks like a, you know, a team that we didn't expect two, three weeks ago. And Army, I've told you three weeks ago, I thought this Army game was an easy 48-13 to 13 win for UTEP. And I know more. I, I picked UTEP as a loser in this game, and I'm standing by that. You know, so this is going to answer a lot of questions. For me, the biggest question this is going to answer for me is the quarterback situation. I think this is a bit, and that's what a lot of people have been kind of asking. You know, uh, shout out to Adam Sanchez, Kid Miner on, on the, you know, on, on the comment thread. That was his question about where's our quarterback situation. I think this game is going to tell us big time. You know, is that Greeny that guy? Will we see Ryan Metz in this game? I, I highly doubt it. But will we see Kavika Johnson? Yes. In what capacity? I don't know. But I think that's really going to figure things out because, yeah, like you said, this is kind of that stepping stone game, in my opinion, to see, okay, is this team going to compete? Where are they going to compete? Are we going to be a middle, um, you know, middle of the pack type of team that week to week, you know, you get what you get, kind of what you saw last year. Not really what you saw. Sometimes what you saw in 2014. But that I think that's what's going to tell. Is this quarterback controversy, this quarterback situation figured out? And, and is this team going to be consistent week in and week out, or are we going to be opening a box of chocolates with the Miners every week? And I think this game is definitely going to set that precedent, you know, especially early because that's tough to, to play Southern Miss to have that type of tough game and then go on the road against La Tech, who I think might give a little fits to Texas Tech this week, but that's to be seen. But, I mean, yeah, you hit it right on the head. There's really nothing else that I could add than what you added is that this game is going to set the tempo and answer so many questions. But for me, like that quarterback situation, I think is going to be the biggest one. You know, one talking about answer. the quarterback situation, I think I haven't even seen the depth chart, but I would just, you know, just knowing Sean Kugler and knowing how, how that, you know, he runs his program, I would assume that Kavika Johnson is still number yeah. two. Yeah. Um, but if you ask me, if, if, 
if it comes down to it, if for whatever reason Zach Greenley can't go, if he gets injured, God forbid, we don't want that to happen, of course. I mean, knock on wood. That wood? That that's real wood? That's real wood. No, come on. I got you. Um, but, no, you know, to me, Ryan Metz has to be the guy you go to after that. You know, you just uh, – you can't put Kavika Johnson back in the offense. As it is, the offense is already so one-dimensional. You know, Greenley opens that up a little bit, but even with him back there, we saw him struggle a bit. Now, maybe he improves from game one, but, you know, as it is, this offense is going to want to be a run, running offense, run 30 to 40 times a game. So let me, let me give you a take on, on it. You know what? I'm going to say it like a, like a your, uh, your mama joke. Your mama's so fat. Sean Cougar's so conservative. <laughs> he ain't going to give. Ryan Metz a chance because Ryan Metz, like I talked about earlier, there's a higher percentage of him turning the ball over. And we know Sean Cougar, that's, I think that there's one thing that pisses Sean Cougar off is turnovers. But you, but I, no, I know what you're saying. You have to let the ball is ball and that's what he is. But I think Sean Cougar is so conservative. Sean Cougar is so conservative that we won't see Ryan Metz. That's just my opinion. Just because Ryan is going to take those chances that you need to take as a quarterback and Sean Cougar don't like that. That's that's my that's my issue that, that, of the whole series. We're watching, we're watching this, this game right now, and Rebus is Rebus Island just sank. Just, but, just got burned for an eighty-five yard touchdown. Who was it? What was it? Uh, Sammy Watkins. Nah. Oh, Marquise Good. That's a track star. Boy. Um, yeah, man. I I, 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 just, I, I think but that's actually the biggest thing. What I was thing. gonna say. What I was gonna say is. You have to throw the ball to turn it over. Like, true, true. of course, Kavika Johnson's not gonna not gonna turn it over if he's only passing eight or ten times a game. True. I mean, it's just a numbers game. But look, true quarterbacks, Ryan Metz may be the best one on the team. He really might be. I don't know if if Greenlee's gonna turn into that guy. We'll find out. We'll find out. But if you ask me, at this exact moment, I think yeah. Ryan Metz gives you the best Ooh, straight the best burn. option at quarterback. Just burn. That <laughs> so let me ask you this. Lutep, I saw Lutep ask this on Twitter. I, I always got to get his questions in. How many combined pass attempts are there on Saturday? No, I mean, you saw, what, 28 or 30 in the first game? 27. 27? I, I don't see it being any different than that. You know, this team has a stout defense, so I don't think we're just – it's not like, you know, we're going to try to capitalize on a weak And defense. take care of the yeah, football. Exactly. Yeah. So, I, don't, I see the game plan going very similar to, to – to that of NMSU, maybe it's a couple less, maybe it's 24, you know, 20, 22, but I don't, I don't think we're going to get real conservative with it and only throw the ball 15 times. Should you shouldn't be. Yeah. There's there's really no reason for that. I'll tell you going back again, we'll go back to this Texas game real quick. I want to talk one, one thing that I did like, and that I kind of called in a sense was the amount of carries that Aaron Jones got. You can go back and and listen to last week's podcast. and, And we were presented with that question of how many carries do you give Aaron Jones? And I said, if, if if we're getting our asses kicked, it's 18. That's that's and pull them early and, in the and third. Pull them early. That's exactly what I said. There's no reason to even just let them watch from the sideline. There's no reason that I will give a lot of credit to Coach Kluwer for doing that. You know because there wasn't any reason for him to be out there. And and, and you got other guys playing time. And Walter Don, uh, Tyrone Nelson, Wadley. But that said, the guy is still covering punts, man. And when it was blown, when it was blow, it was a blowout, right? It was the third early in the third quarter when I had Texas. It doesn't at. even matter. The guy is still covering punts. What? I don't, I, I don't get it. Devin Cockrell too. Devin, I don't like him or Cockrell. More, you know what? I, I like I said later in the year. Yeah, I will be okay with Aaron Jones, but I don't want to see Devin Cockrell out there too. And then that goes with Aaron Jones, and that's I agree. I don't know what I don't know what's gonna take. Like I mean, Cougar's whole mantra is put the best playmakers on the field, but. And my whole thing is, well, you're in year four. You should have a gunner. You should have somebody that, you know, a guy that maybe not doesn't have the correct technique for that his makes, position or no production, but all, it just really that doesn't in no year four. All, year one, year two, when he's running off guys and you're shorthanded, okay, I can see that. But now God forbid you have something happened to Aaron Jones, but the day that something does happen to a guy team. like him or whoever else might be that shouldn't be out there, I want to hear him give that same response because that's a bunch of bullshit, man. You shouldn't be putting – a guy like Aaron Jones in that spot. Aaron Jones is your team. Yeah. You know, you saw it last 50% year. 50% of your offense you right saw, now. In which I saw a tweet that I think you retweeted, and uh, it was like Aaron Jones, 57% of the offense, that's, that's best in the nation. 
And I'm thinking to myself, like, that's not, something that's not, not yeah. best. Like, that's not a good thing. That's like, just a fact. That's it's a great. It's a good fact. It's great that, like, Aaron Jones, is that, if we have that type of player on our team, you know? But there's be, but but that's not something to, like, be like, oh, I'm leading the nation in my – I'm the only offense we have. That's not that's not something good. Uh, but, all right, let's move on. This Saturday, 505 kick, Army in Three and the and a half point dogs. Three and a half more dogs. Should be an interesting game. Should be a dog fight. Alex moving has to the them. Minors, though. Alex has them 24-22. Yeah, I think it's going to be in the 20s. I don't see I, this I, game. I, I agree with you on that. I'm going to take UTEP. I'm going to take UTEP, baby. 27-21. 27-21. Jay Maddox. Jay Maddox for two big field goals. I think, Jay Maddox. I think, that, I think that's what's going to be UTEP's biggest downfall, settling for three. I'll tell you this. For six. I think if, if we lose, Army will score more than 30 points. Yeah. I, I could see that. If we lose, Army is probably going to put up 35 or 42 points. And have it, it'll just be because we couldn't stop their run, and they went down the field and scored. And we couldn't make up for it with the, we couldn't we couldn't get a, a passing game together to to catch up, and make it close. I could see that. I but could see I'm going to say that we are able to control the clock, and we will win the, the time possession battle, and we come up with a 27-21 win. Um, we'll see how that goes. Let's move on though. Let's start talking a little bit. Wrap it up right here with some uh, Conference USA talk. I'm looking for the ranking, man. Like, come on now. Louisiana Tech got one first place vote. Come on now. Like, okay, you guys hung with Arkansas. That's great. If you were to beat Arkansas, I, but I, I would definitely be, yeah. see you, you know, getting at least a couple votes for first place. But you didn't. In my you know, opinion, there's two top teams in conference. And whoever right voted now. for UTEP, come on, man. <laughs> Who should have put that drop in the queue? Oh, man. Here we go. Western Kentucky, Southern Miss come in 1A, 1B, exactly the same amount of points, 223. As it should be, I think. Eight first place votes, no doubt about it. Southern Miss taking care of business, 2-0. Western Kentucky, you can't really fault them for losing at Alabama. You know, they were in that game. They were down 10-3 in that pick six, put them down 17-3 in the back. It was late in the second before Alabama, you know, went up two scores. But either way – uh, the one thing, though, Western Kentucky's offense has been so explosive, never was able to get going nope. in that game. And that's, I think that's more of a credit to Alabama because they look just video game-like against Rice. And, of course, Rice is struggling, but I think, you know, kind of the same situation with UTEP in a sense. Or they're just great athletes on the other side. They'll have a chance to rebound this week at Miami that's of Ohio. A, I think that's going to be a tough um, game. Yeah, Miami's lost 41, 45-21 at Iowa, 17th ranked at the time. They own, and then they lost last week to East. Is that Eastern Illinois? Who is that? Tony Romo school? Eastern Illinois, man. Either either way, Conference USA has got to take care of their opponents from the MAC. I think so. I think you know there was a time where Conference USA was head above the head and shoulders above the MAC, and I think that's kind of switched around. But oh, most definitely. big time, and I think West Kentucky def- can I mean, maybe get USA, a little bit back. I think might still be best on the top. You know, you still got Western yeah. Kentucky, Southern Miss, even La Tech in that conversation. Throwing Marshall, Marshall on any giving Marshall's consistent. But other than that, you know, we're so poor on the bottom half yeah. of the league. I mean, it's bad. It's very bad. But 1A, 1B, Western Kentucky, Southern, uh, Southern Miss this week is going to be taking on Troy in Hattiesburg. Um, they they only allowed 41 total yards of offense that's last crazy. week. And now, you know, it's an FCS opponent, but it don't matter. It don't matter. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. Marshall's being Marshall. You know, they came off the bye in week one. They're coming in number three. Took care of Morgan State, 62-0. Look, Marshall's never one to write off because nope. every single year it seems like they're, they're competing or playing in the conference championship. So that's a team right there that at this point, you know, a lot of people, you know, they had some, lost, some pieces that they lost from a year ago, but still – the way they reload, the way they're consistently up there at the top of the league, you could put Marshall in that conversation for one C if you yeah, want to do it right Florida, now. That Florida recruiting pipeline they got. Louisiana Tech comes in at number four. They beat South Carolina State oh, they're 53 three. They're oh, I'm sorry. Time. My bad, my bad. I'm sorry. And I guess technically, technically, they probably should have been put number ahead four. of Marshall in the, in the rankings because of the one first place vote. But it is what it is. Either way, tight third, 187 points. Um, Louisiana Tech, look, I think they're better than we thought that they yeah. would be. Um, if they're really deserving of that first place vote, they better go out there and make it a damn good game against Texas State. Texas Tech hold a lead for a good. If not, come up so. with that win. I you agree. know, Texas Tech coming off, a, I think they played Arizona State in a, 
of course. Yeah, that was wild watching like that at the bar. That, was, or something. that game was like 47, 30, 41, 37 going into the yeah. fourth quarter and ended up six in the 60s and 50s. Yeah. Uh, Middle Tennessee comes in at number 559 points. They lost at Vanderbilt 47-24. Now, that tells me a lot yeah, because does. Middle Tennessee, we thought they were going to be, you know, one of the better teams in the West. They, they probably still will be, but that defense probably isn't as good as we expected. Oh, they lost giving a lot. Up, giving up 47 points uh, at Vanderbilt, I mean, I don't think Vanderbilt – team that they've been even with over the past couple of years. Definitely, too. but I don't think Vanderbilt has scored 47 points like all of the last two seasons combined. Like, nah. you look down their list, they're scoring 10 points a game, 7, 13, 3. I mean, Vandy, doesn't, they're not a powerful offense in any way, and they gave up 47 points to that team. Not saying that if it was an easy game or that they were going to win it or they should have won it, but, we but to give up 47 yeah. points, I mean – I think I think there's there's something to say about and that. They have a big test at Bowling Green, another kind of offensive team that that likes to throw the ball around with Mike Jinks, a former assistant over there at Texas Tech. So you're going to see that type of offense. That's another kind of must-win game for the conference because that's, you know, we thought Middle Tennessee would probably be up in that upper tier. Now they're starting to look like they're in that middle. But still, you want to be able to to win those type of games against. Bowling Green, who's kind of been that middle to kind of almost the same as where Middle Tennessee's been. Yeah. One week you look at Middle Tennessee and they look like, oh, damn, they're a top three, four team in the conference. And then the next week they look like a middle feeder. And that's kind of what Bowling Green has kind of been in the MAC, too. And that's, that could be that could be and one it, of the best games of the week. It, the might, weekend, it, it might be, but I do expect Middle Tennessee. Whereas it's in, it's in uh, it's Murfreesboro. It's, it's on, on the road again. Oh, they're on the road again. Yeah, that'll definitely give. Uh, Bowling Green a few points there, but Bowling Green's a team that they have been pretty consistent. Like you talked about, they like to air out the football, but this year they seem like they're down. Yeah. Week one got new, new head coach, new head coach, but got smashed against Ohio State, seventy-seven to ten. Uh, last week, barely come up with a win against North Dakota. So I, I would say that if you're Middle Tennessee, you have to win that yeah. game. I mean, that, like you mentioned, the best win games against the MAC, you got to win that game. UTEP comes in at number six, one first place vote. Again, I don't know who that was. Second half. <laughs> they turned it off when it was man. 13-7. Come on, man. Number 11, Texas beat them 41-7, as we talked about, and we talked plenty about them having Army. And so this is where it gets Hold on, crazy. So the American Sports Network, is, is that what CBS is televised? Yeah, because KDBC is a Sinclair network. Okay. So it could either be K, uh, K-Fox or, KB, or KDBC. I was going to say, so the American Sports Network is televising it, uh, and – but, okay, we're on the same page now. Uh, then that moving off the seven to 13, this is where it's like, just draw out of a hat. Cause I don't agree with UTSA at nine. I don't agree with it's hard. To, it's hard it's to hard play. To, yeah. And, and, and that's, that's the next thing I'll get into. I need two more eye tests for a lot of different teams and especially these teams. At it's seven like Charlotte, right? Charlotte has been terrible the last couple of seasons and, and they come in and they lose to, was it Louisville? The first game, 77 piece, you know, ridiculous lose by 60 points or whatever, you know, and then they come back and, and, Hold on. Is that, that should be a W against Elon, right? Yeah, that's my bad. Okay, sometimes, I was, I was I like, do, sometimes I'm drinking a little bit. I, I had a, a lot of tech fan. No, but you know, if you come back, and again, it's like we talked about Southern Miss giving up only 40-whatever yards. If you score 47 points, then you, you're putting something together. It doesn't matter if it's against the FCS school or not. You know, to put up 47 points, that's showing something for that offense. But I, I just, you know, how – do you put them ahead of, of North Texas, who no, got blown out right a week? Now, or actually, not. North Texas did get right. SMU, yeah, they, they, they lost by 21 or something. Yeah, it, it was the, the the score wasn't as close as the, as the final score. You know, of that so game. I watched that game. North Texas one and one, Charlotte one and one, both sitting behind Rice, who's zero and two, and FIU, who's zero and two. It, it's so hard. And then UTA, the, the big thing was I say UTA UTA two. I had negative one yard rushing last week. Negative one yard rushing. I mean that that to me that I just I, I don't see and you know yeah of course their defense we've seen we've talked about their defense but there's just so those four teams right there stand out as teams that have so way too many question marks right now to even put any of these teams above ten but like I said you still need two two more eye test games for a lot of these teams and you know the team that I'm really interested to in seeing how they play this week our number eight team Old Dominion exactly at thing. NC State because this is a team thing. that. You know, their coach kind of fought for their respect because he felt like they were disrespected in the meeting. I thought he was kind of right to a point. And, you know, even though they got blasted last week against App State for the second straight year, App State blasted them, I still think this is a team with pretty good athletes around there. Ray Lowry, David Washington, Zach Pascal on the offensive, TJ Ricks on the defensive side. Going into NC State, you know, that's 
I don't want to call it a rivalry game, but it's a regional event, I guess you could say. And that's a team that I think can kind of leapfrog the minors, can leapfrog Florida Atlantic into that six, five spot. And this is a, I I don't want to say this is a game that tests that, but their performance can maybe dictate that and kind of set the tone for ongoing. And, you know, I think I had Old Dominion at seven, if I'm not mistaken, in my ranking. But either way, you know, I I couldn't agree with you more on that. And if they are able to to upset NC State on the road or even make it a game, I mean, if it's a game that comes down to the wire, you know, I I wouldn't have any problem putting them ahead of UTEP if UTEP comes out and gets beat, you know, by 14 or 21 points. You know, it's just – it's only logical. But, again, like you were talking about, you know, once you pass these teams – FAU's kind of – the jury's still out on them, if you ask me. 38 yeah. against against Miami. But, you know, they got a tough one this week at, at Kansas State. But, you know, UTSA has not looked good. Florida International looked even worse. Rice, I don't know what to make of them. I mean, they're Army – if, if Army is that good, then this isn't necessarily the worst loss. And then you talk about Rice's first game against – uh, was, uh, ranked, uh, right? No, it was the Western Kentucky. Oh, the Western yeah, Kentucky. Western yeah. Kentucky made that so, look easy. I mean, yeah, definitely. But it, 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 we know how good Western Kentucky is. You know what I'm saying? So you can't really hold that loss in price because they're not as yeah. good as they were. But are they number 10 or 11 or 12? I don't know if they're yeah. that low. And that kind of depends on how good Army is to me. If, if Army comes in here and they're able to basically do whatever they want with us, then I think Rice may be a little better than we're giving them credit for. So we'll take a look point at that as the point. season progresses. Another week of eye test, bro. Another, Another week of the eye test. North North Texas no at doubt. number 12, Charlotte at number 13. Um, good luck to North Good Texas luck, man. I don't even know, man. Oh, sorry, sorry. I know we got some more. Hey, we're up to 18, though. Yeah, 18 man. beat riders that are uh, Yeah, that hey, shout out. That's solid, man. That, I don't... 18 beat riders and, and two homers. <laughs> 16 beat riders. <laughs> we got jokes in I'm the podcast. Kidding, I'm just kidding. Appreciate all y'all man. The Rush Podcast in the books. It was a good episode. Of course, we had some issues. Wish we would have been able to get Sal on here. Yeah, man. Um, I know you Still check out all the content that he's got. Uh, over at, I closed my computer already, but the record news, daily record, daily record, Harold, oh, like we retweeted. Yeah, he has a podcast. We'll retweet up there. We'll retweet You'll it. see the comp, the conversation that Alex has with him in the Q and A. Of course, five oh five kickoff this Saturday in the Sun Bowl. Don't stay home and watch CBS, man. Make them pay for not, for not a. Uh, for televising the game, I don't know. Gonna, I was going to say something. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Anyway, five oh five kickoff. You all be there. We'll be square. We'll see. You. And Twitter. And, and all that. And all that.